What's going on? Welcome to Fit, Healthy, and Happy Podcast. I'm your host, Josh. Here with his co-host, KG. And uh, today we got a special guest. We got the man, the myth, and the legend, Colin DeWay. And then we got to give a big shout out to this guy because we've already filmed the 30-minute podcast with him. He took the time out of his day to do that. And um, the audio was less than perfect, so we had to adjust a little on our end. So once again, Colin, we really appreciate you taking a chance to redo this, make sure the content is perfect and impactful as it's meant to be, right? No problem, man. I, I get it. I understand. And, uh, you know, maybe we can do it right this time. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Colin had such great content that we did not want to hear any of the stuff that he said uh, go unheard. So, yes, we did it. And uh, this time is going to be even better. So we're super pumped. And uh, we're just going to go from here and jump into it. And uh, the, the best part about all this, I got some of the, the timestamps from the last uh, file I was editing so we can go through the questions and sometimes I think when you do something a second time you do it better so I'm really confident about this so let's just jump right into it um what do you got to say about Colin DeWay like who are you what have you done what are you doing just let it let them have all the info <laughs> all right well yeah I am Colin DeWay I am a uh, online nutrition and strength coach and uh, I basically got started in it about Four years ago is when I actually created my business, but I really kind of started getting into it in terms of an actual business about five years ago. So I started lifting 10 years ago, a little after my son was born, and I just kind of like really got into it. So I'd actually lifted on and off pretty much my whole life. I always kind of wanted to be that jack guy, but never really <laughs> never really invested in it, and I never got serious about it. But there was just something about this time. Uh, I just kind of went all in on it, and I just kind of fell in love with it and ended up basically spending like every moment of free time that I had was, was spent on fitness related stuff. I was always researching, writing articles, doing videos, just like always consuming myself with it all the time. And I found myself helping other people just because I, I just enjoyed it so much. And, uh, eventually just kind of wanted to, to make it my actual career, uh, since I didn't really care for what I was doing at the time for a career anyway, and, uh, just took that leap. So that's awesome, kind of brought me to where I am now. So let's let's make this even more spicy. What got you into lifting? Like, when did that happen? And what was your your driver to get into lifting? Was it to look good for girls? Was it to not be skinny? Was it to lose weight? Like, what was it? Everyone's got that that kick. Yeah. Oh yeah. In, in the very very beginning, and we're talking. So I'm almost forty now, but I'm talking back when I was about fifteen. Uh, I was extremely skinny. I was five ten, maybe a buck thirty on a good day, and uh, you know I got picked on kind of for, for being real skinny and I just hated it and always just wanted to be bigger and, and be more jacked and be like those guys you saw in fitness magazines and things like that. And, uh, that was really my original reason for getting into it. But like I said, it just never really clicked. Uh, I would do it for a while and then get off and get on and get off. And I, I never really looked into like, like I didn't even, I seriously didn't even understand that nutrition had anything to do with it. I just thought you lifted weights and you got jacked, you know? <laughs> so, uh, I made a lot of mistakes, but then, uh, as I got older, and after my son was born, I had kind of put put on some sympathy weight with my wife. And, you know, as stupid as it sounds now, at the time, I was like, oh, well, maybe my metabolism has finally slowed down enough where I can actually start putting on some size, right? So uh, I got back into the gym and uh, really started doing some research. And, uh, you know, I started understanding the importance of protein and things like that. And results started coming. And as that happened, and as I actually started to, to see some improvements in body composition, I just got absolutely hooked with it uh, but yeah in the in the in the beginning stages it was definitely all about the the ego and just wanting to look good and, and all that type of stuff and now it's just morphed into something much bigger than that 
That's awesome, dude. Yeah, I started lifting as well. I was pretty much probably the same size as you, I think, like 130, and just was so sick of being a skinny tire, uh, a skinny runner, and just like, all right, let's get freaking yoked. Yeah, <laughs> I right. think a lot of people started like didn't that. Didn't really work actually. that way, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For me. That's yeah, awesome. I, I was somewhere in between. I remember I was very skinny, skateboarder, kind of lanky and tall, but I've always been quite heavy, uh, so that's always been something for me. Like, I remember distinctly... In grade school, I was like 100 pounds when everyone else was like 65. And it, it wasn't like I was that big. I just, I've always been a more dense person. Even right now, you know, I sit pretty heavy at about 210, even though I can probably be like, I think I'm about 13 on a DEXA right now, which is decent for me and heavier than most people would sit. But uh, I got in for some of the reasons. And I remember I did get a little bit chubbier. So I'm like, screw this, started doing some chin ups and, you know, some crunches and then just fell in love with it. So. That's pretty cool. I actually didn't know that about you, though, dude. Fun, fun yeah. facts. Info all around. Yeah, that's it. What do we got? We got another question up? Yes, we do. So um, in the last episode, you were letting us know that you're going to be venturing towards your first physique show. So uh, let, let's hear all about that. Yeah, I'm going to do my first physique show this fall. And uh, it's actually, there's been a slight change of plan since we even talked a week ago because Ooh. I was going to do the Yorton the end of October, and then my buddy Paul Ravella's show the weekend after. Well, he just let me know that they can't get the venue that weekend. So uh, his show is actually probably going to be the weekend before the Yorton. So it just kind of reverses the order a little bit. Uh, but I'll still be doing both both shows towards the end of October. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be my first shows. I'm really looking forward to it. I kind of went from uh, fat power lifter. Uh, I kind of got into powerlifting for a long time the last four years and then about a year and a half ago I decided that I wanted to make a switch and just try something new and try to get into the physique side of things and uh, you know we've been preparing for that for a long time I actually start actual prep next week or probably right probably today the time this actually comes out I'll be starting my prep so I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to it I'm excited and terrified all at the same time but that's as I found out in my life is pretty much the greatest combination there really is all, all, all the good things in life come from that, in my opinion. So today, today's a huge day then, man. It's kind of like the, the kickstarter. Yeah, I mean, even as we're approaching the summer, I'm sure a lot of people are getting closer to that kind of diet time. I know uh, April, May are some really hot times to kind of get all ready for the summer. I've uh, made the mistake of, you know, even just for summer, not even a physique show, but we've always dieted super early in the winter. But I think this year we're actually going to be in, in par with the seasons because we're usually yeah. super shredded come like April or May and then we're like, oh, it's a yeah, little it's early to maintain here. for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, that's going to be cool. So how many weeks are you uh, looking to do your prep and, yeah? Oh, I'd have to do the math. I, that's what, six or seven months? Uh, but we're, we're basically, we're starting early because I'm actually, I feel like I'm in a pretty good starting position. Like, I don't have a ton to lose. Uh, but we want to make sure not only we have enough time, we can take it slow, make sure I maintain enough muscle mass because I don't have much to begin with. <laughs> so we got to make sure that we keep as much as we can and uh, take some diet breaks along the way and just take it uh, rather than doing what most people do, which is like wait until the very last second and then just go balls to the walls and just hope for the best. Uh, I'd rather get ready early, hopefully even reverse into the show uh, and just be in a really good position ahead of time so that uh, we bring the best possible package we can. Um, and why, why wait and, and jeopardize not being ready on time, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm the same way. I always like to get people ready, even 
uh, for powerlifting. A lot of my clients, I like to make sure they're pretty much ready early and then they can kind of be in a little bit of a surplus or reverse going up to the show because, I mean, even with myself, I, I, I remember, I think you mentioned it as well, but you had a powerlifting meet where you did a big cut and just didn't feel right. And I remember the one time I did it and I did a big water one because it was a 24-hour um, way and I just wanted to try it and get as light as I could and I think I went from like 207 to like 192 for the meet like over a few, over like two weeks or something and it was like I remember we were with a couple of our other friends remember and we all had a group chat saying how low we were getting and like yeah, yeah. it just kind of become this crazy contest so I've, I've done them like pretty full and I've done meets super dried out in the last minute and that was the one meet where I did not feel myself my numbers weren't where they were and I, I just didn't feel that explosiveness so I, I like the idea of getting prepared early and that's definitely the intelligent way to go about it where it'll suck less and I know you're talking to a lot about um, diet breaks and yeah. how you want to utilize and you like those and that's kind of the you know uh, one step backward two steps forward approach Do you want to kind of jump into why you like diet breaks so much yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have just found, especially over the last year or so, just how powerful diet breaks are. And uh, especially taking a good two-week diet break seems to make a big difference. And, you know, there's there was a study that was done recently where they actually compared 16 weeks of straight dieting versus uh, 32 weeks where it was two weeks on, two weeks off. Actually, it was 30 weeks because the last one wasn't a uh, diet. But anyway, mm-hmm. it, was, it was 16 weeks of total dieting for both groups. Uh, obviously, the one that that did the two-week breaks that lasted 30 weeks, but they saw significantly more fat loss in those actual 16 weeks of dieting than the other group. But I think you guys have probably seen this. I think it was like 47% or something, wasn't it? It was, a, it was a really high number. They lost a lot more body fat. Uh, and it just has been shown uh, not only in the research but just anecdotally as well when people get stuck and have a hard time, if you go through a good diet break, that really seems to kick things off and, and really help see further progress with fat loss. And I think a big part of that is just, you know, there's so many hormonal and metabolic adaptations that happen along the way from dieting. And by taking a break and increasing your calories for a consistent amount of time really seems to help get your hormones into a better spot, uh, improve your metabolism a little bit, and put you in a position where when you come back to dieting again, your body is in a much better place to be able to see more fat loss versus just trying to like just diet hard all the time Uh, that only works for so long eventually the body is just going to fight you if you just continue to diet all the time and i have just found over and over again now uh, taking more diet breaks has been really beneficial and especially i'm finding for the people who do have a pretty slow metabolism excuse me pretty slow metabolism in general um, if they have to diet on really aggressive calories, maybe because of a long history of dieting, maybe because of just their genetics or whatever, if they need to be really aggressive, almost every time I give a diet break to them and then come back, that's when they get going. So they'll be stuck for weeks. Give them a diet break, maybe two-week diet break, come back, it gets going again. A couple weeks later, they get stuck. Give them a diet break, come back, and it just gets going. But if you just try to like hammer and just keep slashing calories, it just doesn't work. The body's just too adaptive, you know Dude, I love that. One of the, my favorite things about you when we came across, we, we want to bring people who are like-minded, who uh, follow a science-based approach and who just know what they're talking about. And you made a post yesterday on your Facebook page, for those of you who don't uh, follow it, it's Colin DeWay Training. Um, but you were saying, I'll never understand it. It's like in, you know, 
someone to pull their teeth to track macros. And then oh, yeah. there's people who will try every single diet out there, such as, um, you know, keto, there's the carnivore, there's the low fat, there's the uh, no carb, and then just go back and forth, back and forth. And obviously the way that you approach this, I know you do follow flexible dieting exactly like us. Um, mm-hmm. we, we like a sustainable uh, manner for us and all of our clients. But what's your, you know, key takeaway um, to help someone see long-term sustainable results instead of just like lose weight for two weeks, gain it all back, lose weight? Um, you know, yeah. what do you have your clients doing? What do you see that Paul does or what do you find are just, you know, common trends for that stuff? You know, a lot of it really just often comes down to their relationship with food. And so often people put like literally, literally put morality with food and they, you know, they feel bad about eating certain types of food and they feel guilty about it. And, uh, they just create this relationship where they feel like they have to stick to certain exact foods all the time. And if they ever deviate from that, then there's no point. And what usually ends up happening is when they do deviate, because eventually you're going to like, everyone's going to end up in a situation, whether it's by choice or not, where they're going to have some of these foods that they deem to be bad. So what ends up happening is you feel like, well, I'm not supposed to have this, but I'm going to have it now because I my willpower is low or I'm frustrated or, or whatever else. Or I was at the party that I was at and I wasn't planning on it and I couldn't stop myself. I need to get it all in now because I know starting tomorrow my diet starts again and I can't have these again. So let me get as much of it in as I can. Like just binge your face off and feel sick about it. Um, and then what usually happens from then is you actually don't get back on track. You know, those, these people, when they do this, they feel so bad about it. They feel super guilty and it just puts them in this really dark place emotionally. And it often carries on for days, weeks, even months or years down the road uh, because they just feel like they cannot sustain the plan that they're on and they can't just continue to eat, eat clean all the time. And uh, it just creates this yo-yo dieting cycle where they're on again, off again, which just trashes your metabolism, uh, not only is there the bad relationship with food, but you know you're you're physiologically in a bad place too, and it just makes it really hard. So there's no one set plan for everybody that works the best. So what it really comes down to is that that person's uh, personality preferences and things like that that they're going to be able to sustain. And I just find that the you know, more flexible dieting approach, for the most part, mm-hmm. is a more sustainable plan for most people. But if other people like other things, like I actually have, I have some vegan clients. Yeah. I have a keto, I have a keto client. Yeah. I have clients that do other diets because they like them and they can sustain them. Yeah. And that's fine. Fits their lifestyle, uh, right? Yeah. As, as long as you like it and you can sustain it, I don't care what you do. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, your health, it really comes down to the amount of body fat you carry more than anything else. And uh, if you can put yourself in a position where you can sustain these results, then you're going to be healthier no matter what types of foods you eat. Um, in my personal opinion, and this has been shown uh, anecdotally mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. many different cases. Uh, there's been, you know, the, there's a guy who dieted on 2,000 calories versus, worth, or excuse me, 2,000 calories of ice cream every single day for 100 days and mm-hmm. lost 30 pounds and saw improvements in all his health markers. You know, there That's was awesome. the Twinkie diet guy and then yeah. the 60, mm-hmm. six months of McDonald's guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's all these examples of people who ate bad food and saw great results and improved their health markers. So I think, uh, uh People yeah, just like to suffer and tell their friends that they're doing like the biggest, newest, coolest diet when realistically like lost for a little bit. And I don't understand why most people just don't want to find a way to fit their lifestyle and see some good, solid, long-term progress. But Well, even, even yeah. more than that, I think people are just looking for a quick solution or some yeah. magic pill yeah. that's going to get them there and fine with their dieting. And even one of my clients, have, you know, I had her just on the kind of flexible approach where she found 
food she liked. And, you know, our, our biggest thing too is a simple kind of rule. 80-20 is always really helpful. You can still enjoy some foods you want while still looking for some foods that are going to nourish you and help complement you. But um, I know even to her, she had a friend and she said, my friend's a nutritionist. And he said, why am I not doing the keto? It's the only way to lose weight. You're wasting your time because any other diet. And, you know, like so many people just become like I know Zane's really or Lane's really big on saying zealots or like kind of cult followers of a diet because they think maybe if I just stick to this one plan, it'll be the secret I need to kind of get me there when, you know, the, the hard realistic truth that, you know, you just need to be in a deficit if you want to lose, you need to be intelligent, you want to be in a surplus, you want to gain it. People just want to find other kind of quick come arounds to get them there. Yeah. And, and another point, like what you said with the 80-20 rule, I think, I don't know if you guys experienced this. I know I did, and a lot of my clients and a lot of people that I talk to who are flexible dieters have found this. Like when you first start getting into tracking your macros and being more flexible, the initial goal is I need to eat as much crap as I can. Like all the stuff that was off limits before is now not off limits, and it's like let's just see how much junk I can eat and fit it into my numbers. Uh, and I think there really is that stigma out there that flexible dieting is just eat, a, eat as much junk as possible, which that's not really the case. I think what people eventually end up finding is, hey, I don't feel so great when I do that. Like, is it possible to do? Sure, but it's not necessarily the best approach. And what usually ends up happening is long-term you go, okay, like I feel better if I eat more nutrient-dense foods, more whole foods, more natural foods. I feel better. I feel better. I perform better. But the point is I can have some of these other things. I can have some ice cream or a, or a Reese's peanut butter cup and still be able to see results and still feel okay and still be able to make progress and feel satisfied. Uh, and it's, so it's not necessarily about eating as much junk as you can. The point is that you can have some if you want and not feel bad about it, but continue to see your results. But absolutely, I would prefer people to eat more nutrient-dense foods. You're going to mm-hmm. do better on it. Yeah, and that's uh, – I think that the term change from, you know, if it fits your macros to flexible dieting really helped because it does. You know, before it was kind of like how can I get from A to Z the most creative, weird way possible, like – ice cream for breakfast, pizza for lunch, you know, kind of thing. Whereas even now I think we've had a lot of success because we, we say, you know, you're in control with what you can eat. Ultimately though, I think the thing, a lot of people, even in fitness and, you know, even with the YouTube trend and everything that people have gotten away from is that we're doing this to be healthy ultimately, right? Like there's aesthetics of course, but you know, you should be working out and eating to, you know, have longevity in your life and to actually build and complement your body. And, Although aesthetically, like you said, a Twinkie diet will work and that's a matter of fact, you know, there is a better way about going about it. And we've, um, we've had a lot of success when we have new signups for clients. We send like a, not, we call it a suggested food list. It's more of an inspiration food list. Uh, we don't expect people to just eat from that list, but we just have however many it is. You made it like maybe Tanya. 200 or something, you know, pretty good whole source of foods where we just list out the macros and show different options. And these are that's more great. like whole based kind of, I don't know, like they're, they're going to be more nourishing than not. So it's a good way to find other inspirations to do that as well. But, and for some reason, me and Kyle are obsessed with this analogy, but if you're going to someone's wedding and having a slice of cake, you know, you don't want to be that person that's like, Oh, I'm not having it. Uh, I can't, I can't have that. It won't work. You know, it's just, that's going to be a failure in a diet. And that's why meal plans can be kind of tough because they're short term and you know, it's all about finding a style that will work for life. So what's your, um, what's your thoughts? I know it's been less hot lately, but on intuitive eating, how do you feel about that? 
I think it's great if you're in a position where you can do it effectively. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you have to build the knowledge base first, and that's why I really like macro tracking. Uh, it's not that you have to track macros for the rest of your life. I think a lot of people find that they can once they do it long enough. They realize that once you get good at it and you build that knowledge base, it's literally less than five minutes of your day. But some people just get really stressed out and just don't like the tracking, which is fine. But I still think that most people would be better off spending at least a few months tracking macros, understanding foods, getting that knowledge base so that you can be more intuitive. Because everyone wants to eat intuitively, but how can you be intuitive if you have no clue what's in the foods that you eat? Mm-hmm. Like how, how, how is that going to work? And otherwise, you're just looking for magic foods. And like you, you take out a certain type of food and you see results, then you add it, add it back in and you binge on it because you haven't had it for so long, so you gain weight you automatically think, well, that food makes me fat. Well, no, it's because you took out calories and then you added them back in. If you build that knowledge base first and you start to understand, you can look at food and go, okay, I know it has roughly this much carbs and fat and protein and I know a portion size looks about this size and you can just kind of eyeball food freely and go, okay, I know roughly what's in that. Then you can be more intuitive because you have that intuition built in and you know what it looks like. But if you're just going in blind and you have no clue what's in anything and you just think foods are either good or bad, you really can't be intuitive successfully in my opinion. Your 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 intuition is going to be just eat the these same seven foods over and over again, you know? Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, even anyone who's logging I say sure at first it's a little bit of a barrier you know doing it but once someone logs for a week or two you you start to understand the composition of the things you eat and you know you'll have people come up to you and go wow I I had I know bacon was fatty but I didn't realize how fatty it could be or you know I didn't realize this contained this much protein or you know it kind of just really gives you an idea of what the things are and you know for the rest of my life that's something I'll carry with me I'll understand calories fats proteins um, carbs you know compositions of foods and how they affect me and I, I absolutely agree with that intuitive eating in theory I think to me is the coolest best thing in the world um, I've tried it personally though I like food way too much you know and I can do great three or four days of the week and then you know four other days for, oh, I trained hard I, I deserve it you know and I know if I don't track I, I'm someone who could confidently eat 6,000 calories a day no problem so I, I yeah, find especially sorry I mean especially if you if you've been dieting for a long time mm-hmm. And your hormones are all out of whack. Your intuition is going to be eat everything. Your body's literally going to be telling you, put the body fat back on, eat all the food. So your intuition is going to be, you know, binge your face off and then eat some more. Uh, so intuition is is kind of a tricky thing in that manner because our, our bodies do fight us and do fight fat loss and or at least keeping the fat off. Exactly. So that's another factor too. Yeah, and I think like finance and uh, fitness have a lot of similarities, especially with nutrition, you know. And even if I want to be intuitive with my spending, like let's say I have $200, I'm like, oh, I'll just spend $3 a day or something. And that one day comes where I spend 40 and I'm not looking actively where my money's going. Real quick, you'll go, oh, wow, I got nothing in the bank account. Like I didn't do so hot. So it does yeah. take someone who's very self-controlled uh, and you know aware of what's going on to be able to have mm-hmm. a lot of success with it. But it's a really cool thing in theory. I just kind of wanted to knock that out. Um, you want to hit this one, Kyle? Yeah, so um, we've just got another question. I know we talked about this last time, but it's def- definitely something you're passionate about. Um, gluten intolerance. Do you want to give us the background and how to basically deal with it? Any tips for anyone who's listening that does have a gluten intolerance issue? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. So I, I found out a little over a year ago that I did have a gluten intolerance. And the reason I found out is just because I was just having all kinds of digestion problems. And uh, it got 
really bad. You know, I don't know how graphic you want me to be, but <laughs> we, it, it got pretty bad. And it literally got to the point where every time I ate any meal ever, I just immediately felt horrible. My stomach would just churn and I felt like garbage. I was run down, tired. Uh, my gym performance was horrible. Like my libido dropped. I mean, I'm talking like digestion really plays a much more critical role than most people give it credit for. And I didn't really understand it until I went through it myself, but it really impacts everything in your life, both, Mm -hmm. both mentally and physically. Um, so I got to the point, like I and I had seen, I went to the gastro, I did all that stuff and, uh, they just didn't find anything wrong. And, uh, so I eventually went through my own elimination diet. It's called a low FODMAP diet. And, uh, as I went through that and started to feel better, I then went through the reintroduction phase and just found that anytime I had gluten, it just, it just kicked my butt. So, uh, I started eliminating it as much as possible and, uh, started feeling a heck of a lot better and started to see everything improve. Um, and you know, in terms of how to go about it, I mean, the first step is just educating yourself, like what has gluten because it's in everything that, that, that is the hardest part about it is there's just so few, especially when it comes to carbs, almost all your carb sources have gluten in it. So, I mean, outside of like oats and potatoes and rice and like quinoa for your like whole food sources, there's not a whole lot left uh you know so then you're you're looking at fruits and vegetables and uh just finding actual gluten-free stuff so i eat a lot of gluten-free cereals uh just because at this point until i start my cut i'm eating over 400 grams of carbs per day so i needed to find a way to get all those carbs in without feeling so full you're not going to eat 400 grams worth of potatoes and oats without feeling like hot garbage so i had to find some less filling foods so i found like lucky charms and cocoa pebbles and uh, you know, some, some different Cheerios and things like that that were gluten-free but not so filling so I could get my carbs in uh, was instrumental in me being able to actually do that because uh, I was getting pretty miserable for there for a while. Um, but, yeah, it really just comes down to checking the labels, making sure most of your processed foods, your bars and everything else have that in it. And uh, um, it, it's, it's a mental game for sure. And when I really feel like I found real success with doing well with it was when I finally – just accepted my reality for what it was you know what i mean like i i would fight it a little bit and i would get angry that you know i couldn't go out to eat and you know have a slice of pizza or or whatever else it was and it it just was uh it i i got angry about it literally like it just kind of like i was like this sucks so much like it, it made it really difficult to deal with it but when i finally was like hey like suck it up this is your reality like either either you can have these foods and feel like absolute garbage or you can cut them out and feel better and uh you know that that's really a big thing for me just in life in general is if you really want to see progress and if you want to be happy and feel good about things you have to accept reality for what it is and not fight against it because you're never going to beat reality you're you're going to lose 100 percent of the time reality will always win and if you fight it, it just becomes kind of like your reason why you can't do something or why why you you struggle. So when I made that that switch to okay, like I just can't have gluten anymore. I just have to take it off limits. It's not an option. I can't try to fit some in here and there and see if I'm going to be okay. I just have to be done with it. And when I made that mental switch, everything just clicked and it just changed everything. And uh, I no longer struggled with it. And I just did it. And uh, it's been you know it's been fine ever since. Like yeah, occasionally. Uh, I miss some things and would like to eat some gluten-containing foods, but I mean, it, it is what it is at this point. Uh, it's in my best interest to avoid it. 
Cool. Yeah. And real quick, um, that was a great uh, summary of just kind of, you know, embracing reality for what it is. But I, I want to kind of backtrack. I liked your point there about, you know, having to have something like a cocoa puff or something when you are in a bit of a surplus and you're getting a ton of food, because that's something I, I also like to communicate. And I think a lot something that confuses a lot of people. But when you are in a surplus, your body's taking more than it needs. So, you know, a lot of people want to do these clean bulks, but it can actually be really, really tough on your, your system. Like if you're... I've, I've done that. Yeah, me too, man. And I remember I was having like 80 grams of fiber a day, like 4,500 <laughs> calories trying to be quote unquote clean. And it was just putting a number on me. Like, you know, that that is really going to put a toll on your system. It's a lot for your body to digest. And, you know, sometimes too, when people are dieting and they're in a very, very clean form of dieting, you know, it doesn't hurt here and there. Like I'll even say if the scale doesn't move too long and someone's eating super clean, just, you know, have a few donuts or something like that, something very simple on your system. Um, and usually, you know, when you kind of remove some of that fiber, your body can unback itself up and kind of get everything operating again. It's a cool little interesting tidbit that you wouldn't really think about, but I liked uh, that you yeah. hit on that point. Especially the hard gainers, they do not realize that there's so many people who are stuck on just everything clean and then they do not they understand why the scale isn't moving or why they're not gaining muscle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't gain weight, but <laughs> it's because you're you're only eating two thousand calories because you're eating nothing but and chicken so and broccoli full. all the time, <laughs> and you're just like stuffed. And uh, yeah, like you know, people get caught in good versus bad, and this is where fiber comes in too, because we look at fiber as this really good thing, right? Like fiber is a good thing. Well, just because fiber is good doesn't mean a crap load of fiber is really good uh, mm-hmm. you know too much fiber is just like not having enough fiber really you know it causes a lot of gastrointestinal stress and bloating and constipation and a lot of other things so yeah i noticed that too like sometimes people will just eat a ton of fiber and they'll feel really bloated and horrible uh and they can't lose weight and then you go well look at your fiber let's cut it down let's be more reasonable with it and they do it and then like three days later oh my gosh i lost four pounds and i feel i feel great and i look better and yeah, like you just can't you can't eat that much, and especially even in a bulk. Like it's not like you're not getting your micronutrients in; you're still getting all that stuff you normally would. But you just you need a way to fill the rest of your calories without feeling horrible. So you're still getting all the health that you normally would. You just need to use some of those calories in non-filling uh, ways to be able to get it all in. And uh, it doesn't make it more unhealthy; it just makes it more realistic. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, man. That's a great way of saying it. Let's do something a little fun here, maybe for the last few minutes. Let's just do a rapid uh, q and I'll do one, then you'll do one. Yeah, so, uh, we're just coming up with this on the spot. Yeah, right? let's do some fun. Well, you know me. I'm not very rapid with my answer. <laughs> here we go. Man. Hey, this will be our longest episode, maybe. Okay. Then. First one. Yeah. Favorite food? Uh, cheeseburgers. Double cheeseburgers, specifically. Uh, I just... I, freaking love them but now i have to use gluten-free buns and it doesn't taste as good but i still, I still manage them that's, that's the life right embracing it right yep. okay you've got a massive powerlifting background max deadlift squat bench press go in competition 490 squat 314 bench and 520 ish deadlift wow dang that's some big that's numbers. impressive now to add on to kyle's question favorite lift of the big three squat bench or deadlift and why <laughs> if you had asked me a couple of years ago, I would have said a squat just because it was my best lift by far. Uh, but as, as of lately, I've really shifted to deadlift. I'm really having a lot of fun with it lately. And uh, I don't know. I just I feel powerful with the movement. It's just fun. Even though it's not my strongest lift, I just really enjoy it. And it's like I just love approaching that bar just with like fire in my belly and be I like, let's it. go. Like it's oh, me absolutely. against you. Let's do it. 
and you don't have the fear of if you fail, it's going to land on top of you and crush you either, which is a nice added bonus. <laughs> it's got to rip it, right? It's just yeah. you. It's either coming up or it ain't, right? And right. Yeah, that's that's a huge one. Uh, least favorite exercise to do in the gym. Bulgarian split squats, and Paul has me do them every damn <laughs> training block. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, well, you, that's probably so why he probably knows you hate them. So he's like, ah, let's spice it up. It's probably <laughs> Pro- <good> probably. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, they're nasty hard, they're, man. They're, I mean, they're a great exercise. And uh, honestly, I think, like, especially powerlifters could really benefit from keep, keeping them consistent, uh, help with imbalances and things like that. But, uh, yeah, they suck. <laughs> they're, they're brutal. <laughs> Okay, now here's here's a fun one. What, in your opinion, is the dumbest exercise that you see people doing, if one comes to mind? Uh, the kind of like balance shit on the bench. Uh, <laughs> like, I just saw the other day some guy had like a Bosu ball on the bench with his feet up and like bench pressing. I'm like, what the hell is going on here, dude? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? I feel I like anytime this. there's a discussion of the dumbest exercise, Bosu ball <laughs> makes its way in there because yeah. people get way know. too crazy. I like you know? to let people do what they want to do. Like, if you enjoy it, like, by all means, live your life, but uh, yeah. I don't understand it. <laughs> it's like driving, removing two tires from your car. And <laughs> it's like, why? Okay, so sorry. This one's not going to be as fast, um, but um, basically I noticed you just hit a new deadlift PR. I think it was 525, was it? 530. 530. Okay, so I'm shortchanging you there. Um, And you are – give me my 500. (laughs) I believe last time we talked, you you were saying you're 39 years old, right? Or 38? Okay, cool. Um, What are your biggest tips? Obviously, you're not over 40, but maybe we'll title it tips over 40. What are your biggest tips for anyone who's looking for longevity? Anyone who, I I see so many people who say, oh, I've hit 30, I've hit 35, I've hit 40, and everything goes down and I can't succeed in the gym and my metabolism goes down. What's your biggest tips for anyone who's just uh, a tad older and and looking to, you know, see the best results possible? Man, it really just kind of comes down to like it, it is. It's, it is tougher as you get older. Your body doesn't mm-hmm. recover quite as well, uh, and you need to. You can't just go in and blast it like you used to be able to do. Like when I was thirty years old, I could just go to the gym and just crush myself and you know hop up the next day and jump in and be fine. Uh, that doesn't happen anymore. So you need to be able to plan for better recovery and take some steps that. Uh, you know, will work for you. Now, everyone's different. Some people can get away with a ton of volume and some people can't. I think for me, what really helps me is taking long deloads, specific deloads. So take at least a week or two every, you know, six or so weeks seems to really make a big difference for me. If I go much longer than about six weeks on a training program, I just get running to the ground uh, and it just doesn't work very well for me. So that's part of it. And then specific training blocks where, okay, I'm, I'm focusing more on strength this time. Now I'm going to hit more volume. Uh, I'm going to change things up and just not just continue to blast the same thing over and over. And I also have put a lot more emphasis in the last year on my own kind of like prehab recovery type stuff. So I get, I get a deep tissue massage every other week. I see a Cairo on opposing weeks. Uh, I see an upper cervical Cairo uh, once a month. I'm doing all these things to keep myself uh, in a good position. So I'm not so beat up and run down all the time. And while it definitely hurts the wallet (laughs) a lot, uh, it's worth it. You know, I want to do this a long time. I want to do this stuff the rest of my life and I only have one body. So I need to take care of it. And uh, I think that's a big part of, of, long-term success is just staying healthy and doing the things that you need to in order to stay healthy. And uh, recovery is a big part of it. It's a big overlooked thing. Um, that and not dieting all the time, which uh, if you don't mind me going a little bit longer here, I would like to, t- to cover that a little bit because 
a lot of people do associate being older with a slower metabolism. And while it's true that you get a slower metabolism as you age, from the research that I've looked at on this, it's it's not much. Like it's literally like one percent every uh-huh. like handful of years, your metabolism slows down naturally. Most of the slowdown that happens in metabolism is due to loss of lean body mass as you get older. So uh, you start to lose muscle and and. Uh, if you're not strength training and you're not taking care of yourself, that's where you see a lot of it. And on top of that is people's dieting history. So they diet on and off all the time and they're always yo-yo dieting. So they completely trash their metabolism. And I think that personally is the biggest reason why people's metabolism start to suck as they get older is because the older you are, the longer you've dieted and the more times you've cycled on and off of dieting and the more you've slowed down your metabolism. Whereas if you had literally never dieted your entire life and then dieted for the first time when you were 50 years old, you're going to see fantastic results because your metabolism is going to be humming along. Uh, so it's really the, the yo-yo dieting and not working out that is the biggest factor, in my opinion, with regards to metabolism. Yeah, and even to add on to that, a lot of people like to point to metabolic, um, you know, like aging or, oh, I can't diet any as well because I'm older. But I think a lot of it, too, can be the lifestyle change. I find uh, even myself, exactly. not that I'm old to any regard, but when I was 16 or 17, you know, I was eating 5K cows and I couldn't put on weight to save my life. But I mean, when you're playing hockey four times a week, water polo, working out, doing all these factors, always walking, you know, I would walk to school and all these components, whereas now I drive, you know, yep. um, as people get older, maybe they'll watch more TV or they'll become a little more sedent and they'll experience less movement. So, you know, I think it's also good to analyze that. Like, are you moving enough? Are you too sedentary? Like, and like you said, you know, there's more factors than just age to blame on. And, you know, I find a little introspection can go a long way and you can still have a ton of success regardless of age. From my experience working with clients, once again, I'm young, so I can't speak to my personal experience. Hey, but I'm working with a 71-year-old right now who went through 10 months of reverse dieting with me. And now she is, I believe, like 12 weeks into her diet and she's just losing like that. I mean, it's just falling off now. Uh, so it's never too late. And uh, if you care for metabolism... You know, you can do some great things. Just got to have that patience. I love that patience. That, that's patience. a good ending note, I think. Yeah. That, is, <laughs> that is fantastic. I, I really like that point. I think we hit on some major um, good, I guess, components of fitness and like some thought provokers for everyone. Yeah. And I think this one was way better than the last one. So this yeah. worked out pretty solid. I, this was a great episode. Once again, thank you so, so much for being on. Uh, so where can people find you? Uh, I am online on the social media platforms, most actively on YouTube, which is Colin DeWay. And then Instagram is also Colin DeWay. And as Josh mentioned, or excuse me, as Kyle mentioned on Facebook, I am Colin DeWay Training. Uh, those are the best ways. And then I have a website, ColinDeWayTraining.com. And you uh, just smashed 5K subs on YouTube. That's a big one. Yeah. Man, so it just, the bigger you get. you guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're still finding our way, but... I mean, I'm sure you can relate to this, but the first hundred was the hardest, you know, and the bigger it gets, the more it just organically kind of goes out. So you're on your way for sure, man. I, I see 25K by the end of this you year. You just got to have minimum. patience, right? <laughs> just patience, like we said. Uh, yeah. you know, dude, that's it. That's it. Everything in life, man, that's it's all it. about just being patient and yeah. not giving up when everybody else would, man. It. Like everything. Absolutely. I love that. All right. So thank Once you again. all so much for uh, listening. We appreciate it. And for anyone who has made it out to this mark, 40 minutes, our longest episode, we appreciate every single one of you. 
please, please, please leave a review. We hope the audio is much better. Uh, we could have just left it and, uh, you know, that's not the way we do things. We want to make it as best as possible for every single one of you. So thank you so much and we'll see you in the next episode. Peace. Peace. Thanks, guys.